You are listening to a sermon from MCA Church. To learn more about our community, head online to mcachurch.ca. Thanks. Lord Jesus, we come into your presence declaring that we need you. And Jesus, we thank you that you meet us here in this moment, in this week, in the city. And so, Jesus, we thank you. We love you. We praise your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, why don't you grab a seat? Thanks, team. It's fantastic. Hey, it is great to be here. Um, Let me just get set up here. My name is Brendan. I am a pastor here at MCA. It's a privilege to uh, to bring the word and to, to preach a little bit this morning. Usually, I guess lately, I've been up strumming a guitar a little bit, not doing quite as good of a job as John, but uh, that's okay. We, we, we love John. Uh, it's been great to have him here. We, uh, it's, been, it's been fun going through the, the book, or I should say the letter of Galatians, right? It's always important to remember that this very um, grounded text was written from a church planner to a new church in a time when people were figuring out their faith for the first time. Right, this is, this is the, the letter of uh, the church to Galatia, written by Paul, and we are going to jump right into it. So hey, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Galatians 3. This is where we're going to pick up today. We're going to work through the first five verses, and it is an action-packed section here. Um, wait, maybe not action-packed is, is not the right word, but it is, it is rich and, 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 and dense and full of good, uh, good stuff for us to dive into this morning. So Galatians 3, starting in verse 1, and I'm going to read through verse 5, and this is the word of the Lord. You foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? What a great word. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. And I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the spirit... Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it was really in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has cast their spell upon you? Who has taken your thoughts captive? This is like, what a, what a great way to start a, a section here. And Paul is really summarizing the last two chapters um, in this opening verse. 
Right, we, we've kind of heard, and not to, not to dog on Keith or Carmen, but in, it's, it's mostly Paul's fault. He's kind of been saying the same thing over and over and over again. Why have you turned away from the gospel that you originally heard and turned to something else to provide your salvation? Why have you moved away from Christ crucified and turned to these old customs to provide your way to a seat at the table? This is, this is the whole message of the first two chapters. Who has bewitched you? It's, it's a reminder for the reader to be like, hey, remember those Jewish customs that were being imposed on you, namely circumcision as a way to be welcomed in the family of God. Why? Why are you falling under spell that? Don't you remember before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Paul's like, hey, I painted this vivid picture of Christ crucified. I painted this vivid picture of Jesus and the gospel. Why have you turned aside from it? Why have you turned aside? We, we, we are getting a summary of the first two chapters. And it's been happening again and again. Paul is trying to remind the church in Galatia to come back to the core, come back to the core. And even um, just before this, you can even just look up in the end of Galatians 2.20, right? When, when Paul was writing this, he didn't be like, he didn't start the section by writing a big three and then, and then carrying on, right? He didn't do that. This is just the next verse in, or the next sentence in the letter that he wrote, so just look back, right? The end of Galatians 2, starting in 19. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of the God, uh, grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Who has bewitched you? Right? That's, that's how it goes. Paul lays out the gospel. It is by grace through faith in Jesus that you have been saved. Why are you so quick to turn aside? Why are you so quick to trust in something else to be welcomed at the table? Didn't you love that picture that Keith had last week of being welcomed at the table, not by anything that you or I have done, but only by Jesus Christ and his sufficiency as portrayed, as seen, as made um, perfect on the cross. Jesus himself making a way for us. That's how we're at the table. It's a summary of the whole section before Galatians 3. And Paul goes on to say in verse 2, I would like to learn just one thing from you. And yeah, it's, it, it would be tough to have this from like a, a person that you respect and a teacher because you can tell this is like a really rhetorical question that there is only one answer. And so uh, you don't, you don't want to get this question or the answer wrong. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? This phrase, believing what you heard, shows up a couple times in this section. 
Uh, your, your translation may also have the words hearing with faith. And believing what you heard, hearing with faith, it, it captures the same idea. And this is the idea of the response to seeing Christ clearly portrayed as sufficient. What is our response? And it's this idea of believing what we have heard and it's more than just an intellectual assent. It's actually something mysterious that happens within us when we turn our hearts and our attention to Jesus and the gospel. Something stirs within us, changes within us, and Paul actually mentions it right at the beginning. And, it's, and, and I find myself often quickly going over the section where, it's, where Paul says, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? Notice that when Paul is talking about the Christians or the Galatians' introductory, introduction to the faith, he didn't ask when you became a Christian or when you prayed a prayer or when you started following Jesus. For Paul, the initiation moment as a follower of Jesus is the reception of the Spirit, is receiving the Spirit. Paul is saying, did you receive the Spirit? Right? That is the introduction into the Christian faith, reception of the Spirit, receiving the Spirit. And I'll be honest, it's, it's much, much easier as a communicator to skip any sort of explanation about the Holy Spirit, um, just because the Holy Spirit is mysterious. Let, let me, let me uh, say our Christian Missionary and Alliance Statement of Faith. This is what we believe about God, okay? Go with me here. God, um, uh, there is one God, okay? There is one God who is infinitely perfect, existing eternally in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is one God, infinitely perfect, existing eternally in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You, you might um, be familiar with like the, the idea of Trinity, the doctrine of Trinity. This is, this is that in, uh, in a sentence. Three, three in one, right? One God, infinitely perfect, existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you're like me and you're like, man, I'm still, I'm still a little bit lost, Brendan. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, there's, a, there's this wonderful quote um, by this guy, Harold Linsell. He says, the mind of man cannot fully understand the mystery of the Trinity, who, he who has tried to understand the mystery fully will lose his mind, but he who would deny the Trinity would lose his soul. Ooh, that's a little bit gravitas. <laughs> but but, but didn't, didn't you like, it, it makes sense, right? He who would try to fully understand the mystery of the Trinity, the mystery of the Holy Spirit would like go insane. And it's because there is a mystery that, that no matter how much we try to reach and grab onto because it's comfortable to be able to put things into boxes, God is not able to fit in any box that we're gonna construct. But there is a line in that quote about fully understanding, right? We, we can't fully, but we can at least understand in part. And I believe understanding the spirit in part is actually critical, critical for what comes next. 
So the question, who is the Spirit? I got three words. um, And and if you want to read, I I wrote a whole paper about this for for my ordination, so feel free to hit me up. I can send that to you. Um, I don't know if it's interesting, but I I got ordained, so that's good. Um, (laughs) Spirit is a person, the Spirit is God, and the Spirit is distinct. Person, God, distinct. This matters a lot. Jesus in John 15, 26 would say that when the advocate comes, whom I will send you to you from the Father, and then Jesus explains, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, that's, that's the advocate, he will testify about me. We learn from Jesus that the Spirit is distinct from God and from himself, but the Spirit is also in power as God and as Jesus are. And the reason why it's important to note that the Spirit is a person and not a force like in Star Wars or, or I don't know, any other force Right. The reason why it's important is because the spirit is relatable. We, we learn that we can actually grieve the spirit. We also learn that when we are struggling for words to cry out in our grief, the spirit comes alongside of us and prays for us. Isn't that incredible? This is the same spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the dead, that when we believe what we hear, then it dwells in us. And I don't understand everything I just said in that sentence, but I know that it is critical that there is truth, that there is power in that. And the question, right, when did you receive the Spirit? Right, I mentioned this a little bit, but it's in this mysterious moment when we tune our hearts to Jesus when we see the gospel and Christ crucified clearly in front of us and something happens. Um, uh, People, old time writers, and and sorry if I just called you old right now, but there's this um, language of quickening. And and maybe you grew up in church hearing this, like your your spirit quickened, right? It's something that it defined the Holy Spirit's action in our life. I like the word because it's like the Holy Spirit activates something in us quickens us. It's not by actually saying a set of words. It's, you know, oftentimes, and I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with like, hey, when did you become a Christian? Well, I was on my grandma's bed and, and she led me through the sinner's prayer and, and it was this great moment. Or I was at camp and I, I responded um, by the campers or the preacher's message by going to the front of the stage. Um, it's, those things aren't bad and they're not necessarily wrong, but Paul's saying, saying a set of words in the correct order actually doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. Going to the front actually doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. Believing what you heard, receiving the Spirit, is what welcomes you to the table. And something powerful about that is that you don't even need to be able to walk. You don't even need to be able to speak. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what color your skin is. All you need to do is believe what you heard. 
and the Spirit will reside in you. And the reason I'm speaking about the Spirit is because Paul frames this whole section, this whole kind of next three chapters as in the power of the Spirit. Stuff is about to change in our lives. In the power of the Spirit, stuff is about to change in our lives. And so there's a big pivot here in, at the end of verse 3. After beginning by means of the Spirit, right? So you, you began your journey with Jesus by means of the Spirit. Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? To contextualize here, flesh, I think Paul's doing something really tricky. Well, not tricky, but he's like, um, the whole big thing with circumcision, right? Are you trying to continue your, your walk with Jesus through the flesh, through circumcision, through the laws? I almost said a bad word there. Through the laws of the, of the Torah, right? Are you trying to continue that way? And then Paul in verse four, have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again, I ask you, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law or by believing what you've heard? So Paul's like, okay, you start your journey of faith by believing what you heard. How are you going to continue your journey of faith? Is it through a set of commands? Is it through old Torah principles? Is it through the act of circumcision? Is it through these things? No. You started by believing what you've heard. Guess how you're going to continue? You're going to continue your faith by also believing what you heard. You started by having your eyes fixed on Jesus and receiving the Spirit. You're going to continue being transformed by the Spirit by remaining fixed on Jesus. This is the big idea, and we are so quick to forget about it. We hear the gospel. We participate in the gospel. We love Jesus. We respond to the good news of Jesus. But for some reason, we leave that at the beginning, and then we're like, okay, bigger and better things. Now I got to read the Bible 30 minutes a day. I got to study this, 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 and this. I got to apply these principles. I got to make sure I'm praying every time this happens. If I sin, then I have to do this and this and this. And for some reason, it's just quick to forget about Christ and Christ crucified as being sufficient, not just for the start of our faith, but for the continuing of our faith. Right? He who began a good work in you will carry it through to completion. He who began. There's... um. There's, 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 a, there's a movie that, that, that I love, and I, I don't know if I recommend because there's a little bit of cursing in it. Um, it's, it's called Goodwill Hunting. And Goodwill Hunting, it's got, some, it's got Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Robin Williams. Is that someone? Yeah, okay. Um, uh, Goodwill Hunting, there's this guy, Will, Matt Damon. Um, he is like this, this genius um, who's working as a janitor at MIT and then solves this like um, uh, math Thing and the, the whole movie starts. But he's, uh, he's this genius, and, and Matt's got a ton, or Will's got a ton of baggage, a lot of stuff in his past that, like, that burdens him. 
And the whole movie is about him living free from that and living as who he is. And this is like just a genius. And he, he, he meets a couple of people along the way. He meets this counselor, this therapist who pours into his life to recognize that he has value. And then he meets this, um, this, this, uh, this woman who he begins a relationship with that he experiences love for the first time. And so he's in this really good place. And then suddenly it's like everything from his past just caught up with him and he forgot who he was. He forgot that he was someone of value, that he was someone worthwhile, that, some, that he was someone um, filled with love. And he instead um, turned away and he just ran away from things. He forgot who he was and he just ran away. He, come back, he comes back in the end, but it's, it's this picture of kind of forgetting who you are. And I think we do this as Christians sometimes. We're people saved by the gospel, saved by Jesus. And it's easy to forget about that. It's easy to kind of let the burdens of our past kind of seep back in, even though we knew at that moment where we received the message that Jesus is all sufficient for my past mistakes, my present and my future. But we, we can forget about that. And so the question is, how do we live as people saved by the gospel, right? Live as people saved by the gospel. Well, we, we grow by the gospel and the spirit's power. Got a little bit longer of a quote from you from, uh, from Tim Keller. Um, hear this. Oftentimes, instead of, well, this is me first. Oftentimes, instead of uh, believing in Jesus, we, we turn to other things to kind of meet that sufficiency that Jesus uh, provides. And this is what Keller says. Instead of believing that Christ is our hope and goodness, we are looking to something else as a hope as a hope, to some other way to make us feel good and complete. Okay, so instead of believing in Christ and his hope and goodness, we, we often look to some other way to make us feel good and complete. The way to progress as a Christian is to continually repent and uproot these systems in the same way that we became Christians, by the vivid depiction and redepiction of Christ's saving work for us and the abandoning of self-trusting efforts to complete ourselves. We must go back again and again to the gospel of Christ crucified so that our hearts are more deeply gripped by the reality of what he did and who we are in him. After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? So let's get real, real practical. What, is, what does this look like? So three things. So the idea of identifying your functional Savior, I'll explain that. Seeing the gospel and then resting in the gospel. So this idea of identifying your, your Savior, those, those things that we turn to, whether it's people or, or things, whatever it is, who or what we are turning to, to make you feel good and complete. Those things that we turn to in those moments where we're like, man, I need to be fulfilled. What is it? Who is it that we turn to for our value, for our worth? We identify our functional savior. And then we turn to the gospel, to the, a vivid depiction of Christ crucified. So how does Jesus, the one who actually truly does fulfill? How is Jesus the one who actually brings about goodness and completeness in our lives? 
And then lastly, we rest in the gospel. This is the invitation of Jesus through the Spirit to sit around the table, to rest. To have our burdens placed on Jesus, not on ourselves, and just to be free. So I'm going to share two examples because I think the, the best way to begin to apply this in our lives is, is to see this um, uh, portrayed. So um, I, I, I'm a pastor here. Uh, it's only a little bit. As, as Keith sometimes introduces me to random people, he's like, Brendan has a real job. Um, and, then, and then I always feel so awkward because it's always followed up with, I make board games for a living. Um, and yes, yeah, so Brendan has a real job. He makes board games for a living. And I always have to make sure I add board games for a living because I think people think I'm like playing Monopoly all day. Um, but oddly enough, my real job is making board games. And um, one, of the, one of the things in, in, in all of my workplaces, I have had this like deep restless, I often struggle with a deep restlessness um, that I, I try to fill with like success. Right? I try to like be better, do better, so that I, I, I feel like value. And I, it's like, oh yeah, it's like lots of us do that. But it's like, it's, it's really like deep, right? And, and, and for some reason, there's this, there's this voice, this feeling I often get. It's like, oh, Brendan, like, like where's your value? Like, are, are you, you're not even valuable. And so I, I hear that, I feel that. And I look at what I'm doing and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to succeed. I'm going to just do more because if I succeed, there is measurable proof that Brendan has value. So two years ago, um, I, I, I launched uh, this game with, with a team and, and it did quite well. We, uh, we did this like online crowdfunding platform. We, we raised like, like, um, like $900,000, just like a lot of money. Um, and we're really excited about that. And then you fast forward uh, just to this fall, and we're about to launch our second project. And I'm like, okay, you know what? We're, getting get, we're gonna get a million. Like, million's our goal. Like, that's our goal. And so, worked really, really hard. You can just ask my wife, Jocelyn. Um, I was working very hard. Um, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna achieve this million. And so, it was, it was like crazy months of work leading up to it. And uh, we, we launched, the date launches, great, we're doing well. And I'm with my team, and, and we're, we're about to pass the million dollar mark raised. And, and it's great, and we do, and there's celebration, and everyone's like really excited. And I'm like, I'm like, wait a second. No, 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 no. You know what? We, we actually need to raise a million US. A million US, so that's what, 1.2 Canadian. And so, so I'm like, okay, great, like this is good. And, and so we, we, we then raised a million US and I'm like, wait, wait, what, what's like, what's going on? Okay, no, no, 1.5, sorry, that's the number I need to hit in order to fill whatever it is that's missing. We didn't hit 1.5, so I never figured out if that was the magic number. But you see, there's just like this never, this moving goalpost. That's how often when we turn to success as this functional savior in our lives, it, it, there can never be enough of it to fill whatever is there. And so I, I, could, I could try applying some biblical principles in this to kind of like work my way through this. 
You know, maybe any time I have these thoughts, I could open up my Bible and read a passage. Maybe it's like, okay, success, there's some connection with money. Oh, I should tithe more so I feel better about this. Or you know what? So maybe, maybe, maybe my job is like an idol in my life, so maybe I should like change my job. But doing any of these things won't address the root, won't address that, that hunt for value. So, so take it to the gospel. I identified my savior, right? Success will satisfy this longing. And now I need to see the gospel. I need to turn my heart to Jesus and recognize that I am valuable because Jesus says I am. And not even says, just says I am because Jesus shows it. In Peter, 1 Peter 18, he would say this. Peter would say this, for you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors but with the precious blood of Jesus. It's not with perishable things you were redeemed, but with the blood of Jesus. Jesus looks at me, he's like, Brendan, that way is an empty way of life. That pursuit to fill your need without me is an empty way of life. And if you continue to look to something other than me, you're going to continue living a life where you feel a lack of value and worth. But if you look to me and be like, hey, I am your value. I am your worth. And, and it's not even just Jesus' words. It's Jesus' proof by looking on Christ crucified that shows that I have value and worth outside of anything I do. And that is good news. That is the gospel. That is the gospel ministering in those moments. We can rest in the gospel. Second example, I also deal with like a, uh, I actually just came to grips that I kind of, it's not like an, it's not an anger problem, but it, it, frustration is, an, is a kind of a, it comes out of anger. And I have this like root bit in me that, that desires for things to be the best that they can be. Now, some would say it's perfection, but I don't. What, we desire for things to be the best that they can be, or for me, it's like the most good. What can be the most right, good thing? And that's what I like try very hard to do. And so, um, oftentimes, when something's not good, I feel that internally. Brandon, why aren't you being good enough? Why aren't you doing enough? Why aren't you doing more? And then once in a while, that comes out in a quick word to people around me. And so last 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 weekend. Um, you know, leading, leading worship with a, with a team, and we're a little bit behind in practice, and uh, we're a little bit late, and um, in the middle of, of practice, I, I, it's not like I yelled, but I had this, like, quick word of frustration to one of my teammates, and immediately I was like, ah, I, I, knew, I knew this because I've been dealing with this for a while, and so I was able, I was able to apologize kind of but before, we, before we started worship, but, like, why was I caring so much about my perfection and about my ability to be to be the best that I could be and there's nothing wrong with that desire but when it becomes all-encompassing it's just because I don't think really when without the gospel at my core that I could ever be good enough 
And so, yeah, maybe I go into the Bible and I, I see, I see the, the anger and I'm like, okay, how do I fix this? And I read Ephesians 4 and it says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Okay, great. So anytime I am about to boil over, I just got to cut that off right there. I just got to stop talking and suppress, right? Okay, good. I'm not going to be angry, but there's something going on deep down. When we white knuckle our faith like that, all that's going to produce is a bitter, moralistic Christian. But we can turn to the gospel, can identify, okay, I am looking to perfection to fulfill this need in me to be good enough, but I can see the gospel, Jesus, the only true perfection, the only one who lived a good life, the only one who could be fully right in every day. Jesus, he himself is like, Brendan, I'm going to give you what you can achieve on your own. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Christ crucified shows me that I am good not because of what I do, but because Jesus gives me his goodness. That is the gospel. We can rest in the gospel through the power of the spirit. There's this, this uh, band, Sleeping at Last, that has this wonderful, wonderful kind of lyric. Uh, and it's about this. Now I have learned my lesson the price of the so-called perfection is everything. I've spent my whole life searching desperately to find out that grace requires nothing of me. Find out grace requires nothing of me. Do not move on from the gospel. Living a life trying to follow Jesus without continually coming back to the vivid depiction of Christ crucified on our behalf is going to result in frustration, bitterness, a lack of joy, and really an empty life. But when we continually come back to that believing what you heard, that initial spark that quickened our spirits. When we continually come back, our life, it can be marked by the joy of his spirit. It can be marked by true transformation to look like Christ. True transformation to be the Imago Dei, to be an image bearer in this world. And it's, it's, it's a freeing transformation because the weight of the transformation isn't on you or I, it's on Christ and his spirit at work in us. That's the gospel. It's not that Jesus does the work to start and then we finish everything. No, it's Jesus does the work and Jesus continues and finishes the work in us. Trust in Jesus, don't trust in yourself. This is the power of the gospel. And so the million-dollar question, how do we do this? You know, I gave you those three things, but really how we do this. And it's, I quoted this earlier, but it's Romans 8, 11. 
Paul says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who is alive in you. We do this through the power of the spirit. Let's pray together. Oh, Jesus, we come to you reflecting on your gospel this morning, your bigness. And Jesus, I ask that as maybe a different, different saviors that we cling on to to fulfill our lives, maybe those kind of popped into our minds this morning. Jesus, I, I, I pray that your spirit does a work in us. Renew, give us eyes to see how your gospel, your goodness can transform our lives, can really upend and uproot these deep-seated deep idols, really, God, that, that take hold. And Jesus, we look to you. We thank you for your unending, abundant love towards us that you are patient with us when we, when we miss this, when we mess this up, when we forget about the gospel of Jesus. You are patient with us, always keeping that seat at the table open. And so, Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for loving us this morning. Yeah, we pray these things in your precious name. Amen.